there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. On today's show, UFOs. You might think the idea of aliens visiting Earth and UFOs is kind of crazy. Perhaps the stuff of tinfoil hats or conspiracy theorists. But governments around the world have been tracking unidentified flying objects on and off for decades. And even scientists have been out there searching for aliens. One of the scientists trying to find out if the truth is out there is Jill Tata. So you saw a UFO once? I did see a UFO. My husband and I both did. Jill is an astronomer and pilot, and several years ago, Jill and her husband were flying a plane when they spotted something really odd out of the window, a bright light 18,000 feet above the ground. What it looked like was the headlight of an oncoming airplane, right? So we quickly called the controller and said, what's the traffic at our 2 o'clock position? And he, he said, there's nothing on my radar. Right? And it's this sort of classic, oh my goodness, you do see that light, but the controller says there's nothing on the radar. An unexplained bright light hovering near their plane and nothing on the radar. Spooky. And because Jill is a scientist, her brain was going crazy trying to explain what she was seeing. But up there in that plane, she couldn't deny what was before her eyes. I'm a very skeptical person. I want explanations. I want reasons. And I'm looking at something that I can't explain. Jill says that she watched this light for a couple of minutes. And then something happened. A hole in the clouds that we didn't realize were there opened up some more. And we understood that the light we were seeing was the moon. Yes, the UFO was actually the moon peeking through the clouds, which sounds kind of silly. But up that high, a sliver of the moon poking through the clouds looked like a weird floating light to Jill, which is a bit of a letdown, right? Well, Jill's a nerd, so she was kind of relieved. I'm glad that it became an explained flying object rather than remaining an unexplained flying object. Jill's story tells us that anyone can be sucked into this idea of UFOs, even if just for a second. But then again, Jill is not just any scientist. She co-founded the SETI Institute, which stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And SETI pops up in Hollywood films all the time, like it's in Independence Day and in the 90s film Contact. In fact, Jill was actually the inspiration for Jodie Foster's character in that movie. And SETI captures the imagination of Hollywood because they're doing something really amazing. They're monitoring the universe for signs of alien life. And in particular, they're searching for whether E.T. has figured out how to use radio. Is it a bit like when you're in a in a car that has a, a you know an analog radio, and you're switching the dial and you're hearing static, 
and then eventually you get on onto a radio station. Yes, that's a very good analogy. It was like tuning a hundred radios in parallel. Yeah, SETI's computers are on the lookout for radio signals. And why radio? I mean, that's so old school. It's all about podcasting now, right? Well, radio is a very simple technology, so it wouldn't be too hard for anyone, including aliens, to figure it out. Plus, radio waves also travel really fast at the speed of light, making it a very efficient way to communicate over large distances. We have equipment that looks at billions of radio channels. The problem is that these radio waves are all around us. The sun, the stars and the planets, they all emit them. So Jill and her team pick these up as they're searching for ET and changing the dials on their cosmic radio. As you're tuning between the stations and there's that static, about 10 to 20% of that noise is actually coming from the galaxy. It's cosmic radio emission. So... How do you know what's E.T. and what's Uranus? Well, different things emit different kinds of radio signals. And stuff that isn't natural, like a radio transmitter, emits this very particular kind of signal. It's called a narrowband radio signal. And that's what the SETI computers are looking for. Because they reckon that these narrowband radio signals coming from far away would have to be created by an alien species. By now, Jill and her team over at SETI have been searching for these radio signals for decades. And what have they found? Well, in 1997, Jill was searching for aliens at a telescope in Virginia when she got this weird radio signal from the skies. Here's what happened. Jill had the graveyard shift, searching for aliens. And she told us that these nights at the telescope were usually pretty boring. So she had this trick for keeping herself awake. I read that you played salsa music at levels high enough to kill plants. Is this true? (laughs) No, no, it wasn't salsa. Samba. Brazilian samba, yes. Dancing around this deserted control room with the music blaring because... You know, most of the work was really being done by the computers. We were just babysitting. So, Jill is dancing around the control room to samba music in the middle of the night, as usual. And suddenly, the SETI computers start freaking out. Telling Jill that it's found a weird signal coming from space. So clearly this isn't, this isn't Mother Nature. It's a technology. A technology. From an alien? Well, before Jill gets too excited, she starts doing some tests. And we're imagining the samba music is still playing. One of the tests involves moving the antenna of the telescope back and forth to see what happens to the signal. You move the telescope away from the source you were pointing at, and the signal should go away if it's actually coming from a distant extraterrestrial source. And it did. It did. Okay, so now Jill knows that she has this very clear particular signal which seemed to not be natural. And it seemed to come from one place. So Jill is thinking, whoa, this is really happening. I got really excited then. 
I woke up my colleague who was uh, still sleeping in the dorms, and he came in, and we kept working around trying to figure out different things that we could do that might tell us whether the signal was really what we were beginning to think it was. And then Jill starts calling and waking up more SETI scientists. SETI Institute, freeze-dry room. We have all the aliens you need. Just uh, click uh, three for frozen aliens. Punch four for preserved aliens. Four. (laughs) Sorry, Wendy, you do not get any aliens. What? What? (laughs) This is Seth Shostak, and no, he's not secretly hoarding freeze-dried aliens that we know of. He's a senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. There are a couple of SETI locations on that night in 1997. Seth was on the West Coast and Jill was on the East. And when Seth got this call, he knew it could be a big deal. When the boss calls you at home, it's usually not good news. Seth, I think you ought to get down here. There's an interesting signal. So now the SETI scientists are on high alert, thinking this might be a signal from ET. And if they're right, this could be the most important day in human history. This was their contact movie moment for real. I was very nervous. I I couldn't sit down. I didn't sit down. I never sat in a chair that whole evening. And so for a full day and night, the SETI scientists on both sides of the country are now frantically trying to figure out what this signal is. By the time we left the telescope and went back to the sleeping quarters, we were pretty sure that this wasn't, in fact, an ET technology. Oh, no! We didn't know yet what it was. Jill says that after hours of monitoring this signal, they could see that it was changing in this particular way that suggested it wasn't coming from the far-off alien planet they thought it was. But Jill and her team were so exhausted that they completely forgot to tell the SETI scientists on the West Coast. So Seth and his team were still madly trying to figure out if this was an alien. And then... What happened next was I fell asleep at my desk. And to Seth, this is kind of funny when he thinks about all the conspiracies that people have about what would really happen if scientists discovered an alien signal. If you ask the public what they think would happen, the government would shut us down and take over everything and, you know, whatever. But this showed that, well, actually none of that happens. What actually happens is that you go upstairs and fall asleep on your desk. (laughs) Okay, so if this was no alien, what was it? Well, eventually, the team figured out that the signal was coming from a spacecraft called SOHO. This spacecraft was helping scientists to study the sun. SOHO was beaming information to Earth about the sun's surface and solar weather patterns. And that's what the SETI computers had picked up and what Jill had confused for aliens. Yeah, it was, it was a disappointment. On the other hand, like the UFO that I, I experienced, uh, it did end up having an explanation. It did not remain a mystery. That day in 1997 goes down as one of the most exciting days in SETI history, which is all to say that they haven't found any aliens. But Jill hasn't given up. She says the search for intelligent alien life has really only just begun because space is just so big. 
Here's how Jill explained it to us. She says, if you think about space, like the oceans on Earth. So how much have we searched in 50 years? And my calculation said, well, it's about one eight-ounce glass of that ocean. So that's it. That puts that in perspective. It's because we haven't really looked yet. And so you, you believe that there is fish in the ocean? I believe that that's a really good question to ask. And the fact that one glass doesn't turn up a fish doesn't yet mean that there are no fish in the ocean. Just keep fishing. And this is an argument you hear a lot, that there are so many planets in the universe. Intelligent life just has to have sprung up on one of them. Okay, if it's not that crazy that there are other planets out there that could host intelligent life, what about the idea that aliens have already visited Earth? What actually happened at Roswell? To find out, listen to our full episode on UFOs. Head to Science Versus, that's Science VS, and scroll down to click on the episode UFOs. It's one bonkers story. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.